I have found that the setting of scripture to music is probably my favorite artistic challenge because the scriptures don't rhyme and they aren't metered and made, made they're, not, they're not made ready to sing. And so the, the challenge of just changing syllables, sometimes changing word orders without uh, corrupting the meaning that God has placed in the text. So uh, for me, it's just been the ultimate challenge. And the great thing about setting scripture to music is you might, you might say, I really don't care for that melody. Uh, so if you can go, I don't like that song, I'm okay with that, but no one can complain about the words or you have a really big problem. So, and it makes my job, it's, half my job is done. I don't have to write lyric and music. So uh, I've just found that, that setting scripture is just a, a, a precious uh, artistic challenge and, and good for my heart. And um, you know how it is once you, Beth and I were talking this morning about uh, how many of you either grew up or had your children listen to Steve Green's music called Hide Him in Your Heart, right? I mean, I can never hear, when I am afraid, I will trust in you, and I read in my Bible, and I see the little girl in bed and scared of the lightning. <laughs> so it's, uh, there's something uh, powerful about taking this gift that God has made through music and then giving life to, to scripture verses that, uh, that is, um, I think, intended by God. It's, it's, it's like more than one path into the same data point. So you've got, you've got the eye gate, now you have the ear gate as well, and it just kind of helps stick with us. So... So let's pray together, and then uh, we'll just enjoy uh, the, the Lord's word as it's sung, and we can sort of slow it down. You know, you sing it much slower than you read it, and just sort of, again, forces a kind of beautiful meditation. So, so Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for the gathering of your people on the Lord's day. Thank you for the sweetness of the body life that, that even a year ago uh, is just so much more vibrant now than it was when I was here this time last year. And, Oh, seeing God's people just hanging around here till one o'clock after a service that ended at noon is, is just a healthy sign of life and love for one another. So grateful. Thank you for the use of technology that, that Lansing Beth can, uh, can tune in tonight. And I pray this night would be a special encouragement to them as well. So Father, glorify yourself as your word is focused on in our minds and meditated on. And then Lord, as we leave here, give us, give us uh, submissive faith in what we've heard and a soft will that's ready to obey the implications of all of these texts. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. First from Psalm 119, well-known verses. Probably all of you have memorized these, but Psalm, I was just discussing that Psalm 119 used to be my least favorite song. Of course, it's the longest of the 150. It has 176 verses. And, and when I would read it in high school, I, honestly, I would just read it and go, okay, I get your point. You like the Bible. <laughs> And it's ended up being one of my absolute favorite psalms, a monument uh, to, obviously, to his love for Scripture. But in truth, Psalm 119 is the psalm to read when your heart is low. It's actually the longest lament psalm in all of the Bible. Uh, the writer is saying how much he loves Scripture under duress, under persecution, under heartache. And so in some ways, he's not just proclaiming, hey, I'm a mature Christian who loves Scripture. He's saying, I cling to Scripture not when I'm just at my highest, but when I'm at my lowest as well. And, and so this well-known setting of verses clearly aimed at the question, how can a young man keep his way pure by anchoring himself in Scripture? How can a young man keep his way pure by keeping it according to your word? With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word have I hid 
in my heart that I might not sin against you How can a young man keep his way pure by keeping it according to your word With all my heart I have sought you Do not let me wander from your commandments Your word have I hid in my heart That I might not sin By keeping it according to your word With all my heart I have sought thee Do not let me wander from thy commandments Do not let me wander Do not let me wander Do not let me wander, not let me wander from Funny, when I put, kind of put together the song list, as much as I love to preach on the psalms, I've actually set very few of the psalms to music. So the most singable part of the Bible hasn't been my preoccupation, and I think I'm going to have to do something about that. But here's one, one of the other psalms I have set. One of my favorite psalms is Psalm 73. If you'll turn there in your Bibles, this is a psalm that you need to go back. I'm going to be singing from the second half of the psalm, uh, the resolution to the problem. But if you go back and look at the first half of the psalm, Asaph, this is one of uh, 20-ish psalms, I believe we have written by Asaph. Asaph was David's hand-picked chief musician. So a godly man with a gift for music. And, and uh, Asaph confesses in this very transparent psalm at the beginning of it that he had slipped into uh, jealousy of the wicked, the, the the concept that sometimes you look at the it seems like the good guy the bad guys are getting away with murder literally, and he just admits he says as for me my feet came close to stumbling and by stumbling he doesn't mean stepping on a spiritual banana peel and where you fall and get up and the only thing that's damaged is your dignity, but this is I almost came close to like falling into the Grand Canyon. He's talking about a kind of apostasy that would have grabbed hold of his heart and. And so he's, he's extremely transparent in the psalm and just admits, this is, look, this is where my heart and my mind went. Though he said it was an invisible battle that no one could see because he says in the midpoint of the psalm, he says, if I had spoken thus, in other words, if I had said out loud as a leader what was going through my heart and mind, I could have led an entire generation astray. And, uh, and so he just says that this battle was real until I came into the sanctuary of God and then I perceived their end. Uh, meaning that the pivot point of the psalm there in the middle where he says, coming into the sanctuary of God, what, what's the sanctuary of God? Well, that's the place where the oracles of God would have been delivered, where sacrifices and worship would have been made. Where, so we don't know, was it, a, was it a sermon? Was it a word from a prophet? Was it a song? Was it a, was it a prayer? But something just sort of recalibrated his mind and he regained his spiritual perspective. And he just says, I came into the sanctuary of God and then I perceived how quickly those who I was tempted to be jealous of, 
uh, how quickly their end would come. And, and he was just jealous of what he perceived as, as a life of ease, and, which is not true. He says there's no pains in the wicked's death. Well, that, that, that's not true. But boy, when your mind gets warped, when you get away from Scripture, then even a, a godly man like Asaph found himself just struggling. Then in the second half of the psalm, with his, with his perspective adjusted, he says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And besides you, I desire nothing on the earth. And there's a party who wants to laugh and just says, wait a minute, just like 10 verses ago, you were telling me about all kinds of things you desired besides the Lord. And so this is not spiritual schizophrenia. It doesn't take long to read a psalm, but sometimes a psalm represents a long journey in a person's heart, a, a long transition. And, and so th- this is the, the second half of the psalm, whom have I in heaven uh, besides you, Lord, there, there's nothing I want. None of those worldly trinkets I was tempted to be jealous of have, have any spiritual bearing at all. Whom have I in heaven but you? Whom have I in heaven but you? And beside you there is nothing in this world that I desire. Whom have I in heaven but you? Transition from the Psalms to the prophets. Uh, Isaiah 66, verses 1 and 2 is uh, Jerry Ragg, my precious colleague down in Jupiter. This is, these are his favorite verses in Scripture. 
So if you want to turn there in your Bibles, Isaiah 66, those first two verses, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. So where is a house you could build for me? And then goes on to say, here's the one that I'll look, not someone who could provide a structure big enough to, to house a God like me. But I look to, I pay attention to, I'm attracted to the one who's humble in heart, whose spirit is contrite and who trembles at my word. Jerry signs all his letters and emails trembling, trembling at his word. And, you know, throughout my life, there's I've been a serious battle with fearing man, wanting to please man, looking for people's approval. And I know what it's like to have people make me tremble, people I admire, get in their presence. And you ever felt yourself just get so nervous you're trembling? But... And God's not looking just for a physical, external manifestation, but when was the last time God's word made any of us tremble the way we would tremble before man or man's opinion? God says, oh, I want you to tremble before me and, and, and what I think. And, and so this is, this, is, this is one of those songs that's, yes, it's true. I want it to be true of me. And by the way, sometimes in congregational singing, you have to deal with that tension. So your, your music team will be up here leading you, and you'll be singing a song, and you say, well, can I actually sing that lyric honestly? Is that true? Uh, beside you, there's nothing on earth I desire. Well, some songs are the sentiment of, Lord, that's how it ought to be. That's how I want it to be. So uh, these, these beautiful verses about trembling at the word of God. Heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool, where then is a house that you could build for me? Heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool. Where then is a place that you could give me rest? For my hands made all these things, thus all things came into being. Where then is a house that you Footstool, 
Where then is a house that you could build for me? Heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool. Where then is a place that you could give me rest? For my hands made all these things, thus all things came into being. Where then is a house that you could build for? I will look who is humble in his heart and whose spirit is contrite and who trembles at my word. Yes, to this one I will look who is humble in his heart heart and whose spirit is contrite and who trembles who trembles at my word he who trembles who trembles at my Habakkuk chapter 3, the last couple of verses. Uh, it's interesting. Habakkuk has just been told by the Lord uh, exactly what the Lord was going to do to bring his people back to him. So it's the prediction of captivity. It's the prediction of, of uh, devastation. And it's a terrifying vision. And then in the midst of that, not with some fear of what might happen, but with the fear of exactly what will happen, a certain judgment from God, um, he says this, that if all prosperity is taken away from me, so if you remove all material prosperity, the, the fruit of the olive tree, uh, if, if the livestock don't, don't thrive, if there's no fruit on the vine, you remove all of that, I can still rejoice in the God of my salvation. And so there's just, this is a profound commitment to rejoice in the Lord even in the face of adversity. So, so, so Lord, if you take all that away, then I can still exult in who you are and what you've done for me. And so this is a slight paraphrase of, uh, of Habakkuk chapter 3, written for a, a precious woman in our church, Jean Blair, at the home going of her husband in October of 2005. And that line I mentioned in my sermon this morning, this is no lapse in the goodness of God, actually came from this dear woman, Jean Blair. I went to see her and she said... Uh, so the typical, the minister goes to, you know, to minister to someone in the flock, and, and, and the person they go to minister to ends up encouraging the pastor. And so she said, before you go into the intensive care unit and, and see my husband, and he was you know, on a ventilator and not doing well, and he said, but before you go in there, she said, I just want you to know, this is no lapse in the goodness of God. And so this dear sister's faith in the midst of, you know, Seeing your spouse in a way none of us ever want to see our spouse. And, 
And so uh, he passed away just a few weeks later, and uh, we had mentioned this precious passage. And she mentioned, uh, she said, Todd, would you, would you consider setting Habakkuk chapter 3? Uh, and, and would you sing that at my husband's funeral? And I said, I would be honored. And then the Lord and I had some intense time of prayer. Okay, God, you have 48 hours <laughs> to give me a melody. <laughs> so this has ended up being one of my favorites. trees refuse to yield if there's no harvest in the field I can still rejoice even if the flocks should all be cut off from the fold if every stall should stand there empty in the cold if the trees refuse to yield if there's no harvest in the field i can still exult in the lord even then i will rejoice in the god of my salvation for the lord god is my strength he has made my footsteps sure until uphold me by his grace and he will keep me safe on my high places so even fig tree should not blossom at its time and if there be no fruit upon the vine if the trees refuse to yield if there's no harvest in the field I can still rejoice even if the flocks should all be cut off from the fold If every stall should stand there empty In the cold If the trees refuse to yield If there's no harvest in the field I can still exult in the Lord Even then I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. For the Lord God is my strength. He has made my footsteps sure. And he'll uphold me by his grace. And he will keep me safe. Yes, he'll uphold me by his grace. My God will keep me safe. On my high places Safe on my high
since the uh, early 80s, I've been writing a Christmas song every year, and this next song is a Christmas song. It's the first one I wrote after Lance came to Little Rock. I had been there uh, for 14 years when he came and became, I would still say to this day, besides my wife, the best friend I've ever had, the best friend I'll ever have. Just a precious brother to me, and uh, so I remember this one because it was, uh, I was trying to impress him by being very theological. So... I don't think I've ever told you that, Lance. I hope you're in the bathroom right now or something at home. <laughs> um, but the chorus is, uh, is John 1.14. Uh, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The verses um, allude to many passages of Scripture, some in Colossians 1, some in Philippians 2, some in uh, Hebrews chapter 1. And, uh, but the chorus is there from, from John 1.14. Undiminished deity, blended with humanity, wrapped within a virgin's womb. What a mystery! Fully God, yet fully man. This was God the Father's plan All the fullness dwells in Him What a mystery Emmanuel our God is with us now Who can fathom such humility And the Word became flesh, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, glory of the only begotten of God, full of grace and Yes, the Word became flesh, became flesh, and we beheld His glory. He reigned as God eternally. Yet not clinging to equality You were wrapped within a servant's towel Washing sinners' feet Oh, from birth it was your destiny That you should suffer agony You were wrapped Within the shroud of death At cruel Calvary You laid aside your right to heaven's glory May that same heart now be found in me As the Word became flesh 
became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, glory of the only begotten of God, full of grace and truth. Yes, the word became flesh, became flesh, and we beheld, we beheld, we beheld His glory. Next song from Luke chapter 15. You may recall in Luke 15, Jesus tells three parables that all illustrate the same point. The parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the lost son. In the first two, there's nothing but rejoicing. When the woman finds the lost coin, which ladies, you ought to think of like losing a piece of jewelry if you're married, like losing the the stone out of your engagement ring. Uh, The coin she's lost is not just a quarter she carried around in her apron. This would have been probably something that she wore on her forehead on her wedding day, mounted coins, and to lose one of them had great sentimental value. So she's panicked, and there's rejoicing when she finds the coin. Uh, The parable of the lost sheep is obvious. The shepherd rejoices when he finds the sheep. Uh, I'm not going to sing about the prodigal son, but that one's the only one, by the way, the ultimate punchline. It's not all joy. The father's rejoicing, but what's the real point of that triple parable is that the grumpy, self-righteous older brother is not rejoicing in the the, the prodigal brother coming back home. And it's really the story of two prodigal brothers, one a self-righteous one who looked good on the outside and was rotten to the core, and another one who was rotten on the inside and the outside. And... But this is just focusing, I wrote this for, the, for my children, and I would sing this to them uh, when I put them to bed. And when I first wrote the song, it only had two verses, and then I'll stop at the end of verse two and explain what my wife asked me to add, and, and then one of my kids helped me finish the song. So, you two gentlemen here, if you listen well, maybe you can ask your dad if he remembers the song and can sing it to you tonight when he puts you to bed. So, <clears throat> got it? There once was a shepherd who had a hundred sheep. One of them was missing, that one he went to seek. He searched for them up high, he searched for them down low. But where that little lamb had gone, the shepherd did not know. So he said, Lamb, where are you, Lamb? Where are you, precious little Lamb? He said, Lamb, where are you, Lamb? Where are you, precious little lamb? The shepherd searched the mountains high, he searched the valleys deep. The rocks they cut his hands, and the thorns they cut his feet. But when the shepherd found him, it was a happy day. And everywhere that you would go, you'd hear that shepherd say, I would tickle the kids and say, what did he say? And they'd laugh and say, Lamb, I found you. Lamb, I found you. Lamb, I found you, precious little lamb. 
He said, Lamb, I found you, Lamb, I found you, precious little Lamb. So after a few weeks of singing that, rocking them at night, my wife said, Honey, I think you need to write another verse where you translate the imagery. Otherwise, I think our kids are going to bed thinking this is a song actually about shepherds and sheep and not people. So why don't you write another verse? And so I came up with this. So I'm rocking my middle child, Blair, to sleep, and this is what I sang. The Bible says that all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has sinned. We all have disobeyed. But Jesus is a shepherd who seeks and saves the lost. Jesus paid for all our sins by dying on the cross. And then I was stuck. And so I said to my daughter, I said, I don't know what to do next because... I can't say, Lamb, where are you? And I can't say, Lamb, I found you. So, Blair, I don't know what to do next. She said, oh, Daddy, that's easy. Lamb, I love you. And I just thought, out of the mouth of babes. Lamb, I love you, Lamb. I love you, precious little Lamb. Lamb, I love you, Lamb. I love you. Precious little lamb. So Blair's biggest hit right there. Blair's now a freshman in college. That tells you how old I am. So. <laughs> the Lord's blessed us with five children. We have two out and married. We have two grandsons and a granddaughter due in a couple of weeks. I am so ridiculously smitten with the grand boys. I don't know what's going to happen when I have a grand princess. It's just going to be, I'm going to be unbearable. If you're not a grandparent yet, may I just tell you that every corny thing that's ever been said about grandparenthood is totally true. <laughs> totally true. It cannot be exaggerated. I told my wife, I've never been inebriated, but I'm pretty sure it feels something like being a grandfather. <laughs> Next two songs, um, for many years I wrote a song at Christmas and also at Easter. This is two Easter songs sort of blended together. Uh, both of them deal with... Um, with women in the Gospels being asked the question, why? One is Mary being asked by the man she thinks is the gardener, why are you weeping? Who are you seeking? And of course, Mary has this interaction. She doesn't know who it is until Jesus says her name, Mary. And then she says, oh, Rabbi, can it really be you? And then the transitions, that's kind of a minor key sad song. It transitions into a peppy major key song um, called Why Seek the Living Among the Dead. And so a second set of questions, and this time asked by an angel, why, why are you looking for a, a live man in a tomb? And uh, just a, a recollection of the reminders of all that Jesus said uh, about his own destruction and rebuilding of the temple of his body. So a couple of why questions from the Gospels. <clears throat> Taken him away, he who was my only Lord, and I don't know where they've laid him. 
If you know where the body is, won't you take me there right now? And I'll come and take him away. <clears throat> Taken him away, he who was my only Lord, and I don't know where they've laid him. If you know where the body is, won't you take me there right now? And I'll come and take him away. Just as he told you Go ahead, destroy this temple And in three short days by my power I will rebuild it I seek the living Among the dead He is not here But he is risen I seek the living one among the dead, he is not here, but he is risen. He is risen, he is risen. 
<laughs> if that offended you, I promise that's as wild as it gets. So. <laughs> you don't have to brace yourself for more. This is a, another Christmas song. This one was written um, the year that we sent our oldest son off to, uh, to Moody Bible Institute, my alma mater. And uh, so sent him there, and I was telling somebody after church today that, that uh, it's one thing to take your child uh, as a freshman and send them off to college. It's nothing when you're sending them to your alma mater, because now there's this layer of sentimentality and memories, and I was a basket case. And it doesn't take a lot to make me cry, and so we're standing in the big auditorium where I had, you know, sung and, and uh, trained, and uh, we're singing Great Is Thy Faithfulness, which is written by an alumnus of Moody Bible Institute, and... And so uh, it's just very emotional. And then there's this moment where you're supposed to lay your hands on your child and pray. And then you're going to walk out of the chapel and that's it. It's bye-bye. And they begin a week of orientation and you're no longer welcome. And so the minutes are clicking away. And uh, so we're singing Grace Our Faithfulness. I'm just crying. <laughs> My son looks over and he goes, Dad, are you okay? And I said, I'm, I'm fine. I'm good. He says, Dad, what I, you know, this is emotional for me too. What I need right now is a rock. And what I have is SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> Which is perfect because it made me laugh. It kind of shattered the tears. And, and throughout the thing, my wife is the rock, you know. And she just doesn't shed a tear and she's happy, goodbye. And We get in the car and we're driving from Chicago, you know, through southern rural Illinois. It's just cornfield upon cornfield. We stop at a McDonald's somewhere and we all pile out of the car as a family. Go into the McDonald's and I sit down at the table with the kids and Tandy comes in mascara running down her face. She's crying and I said, well, what happened? I'm thinking the guy behind the counter was rude to her or something. And she said... She's holding straws. She goes, I only needed six straws instead of seven. And boom, for her, that was the moment it hit her. We've, we have reduced our family by one. And I was like, okay, I'm glad to see you're human. And <laughs> so, so when it came time that fall to write a Christmas song, the passage that honestly was on my mind was Galatians chapter 4. You'll see there, uh, if you want to open your Bibles, verses 4 through 7, where it says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son. And all the theological, born of a virgin, meaning he's, you know, born of a woman, means born of a virgin birth, and born under the law, so he could redeem those who were under the law. So all the, the threatening and the, 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 the threat of the law against us, you know, changed in Christ, but it was the fact that it just took on new layers. Since I'd sent forth my son to Chicago, all of a sudden, I, I sent him into the safety of my alma mater, surrounded by professors who would love him. Uh, in, a, in a spiritually safe environment, God sends forth his son into a world that he knew would hate him. And it just, you know, it's just as you go through life things, it just all of a sudden truth just jumps off the page. It's like, Lord, thank you for sending your son. Now that I've sent one out, it's just, and, and that word to, to send forth, by the way, that's just the verbal form of the noun that we, the, the word apostle. So literally he apostled him into the world. He sent him on a search and rescue mission for sinners. So, so this was the, uh, the, just the, the result of just a new layer of appreciation that Christmas for, for the gift of God's Son and what it cost the Father to send him into the world. of your infinite mind and in your own appointed time 
When all you'd purpose finally had come to pass The time was ripe at last You sent Jesus out of heaven Down to earth to save us You sent him far away to draw us near You sent him on a mission to suffer and redeem us You sent him on a mission that was clear You sent forth your son into a world you knew would hate him You sent forth your son so that we might be reconciled You sent forth your only son To die for undeserving men When the fullness of time had come You sent forth your son And so the Son of God became the Son of Man And walked according to your plan Became submissive to your law day by day He perfectly obeyed And by his righteous life He had the power to redeem us From all the law would threaten or demand bloody cross he absorbed your anger toward us the wrath deserved for breaking your commands you sent forth your son into a world you knew would hate him you sent forth your son so that we might be reconciled You sent forth your only son to die for undeserving men When the fullness of time had come You sent forth your son adoption made us part of your family no longer slaves for now we are your sons yet more than sons we're heirs of all the heavenly glory and Abba Father is a heartfelt cry you send forth your son Into a world you knew would hate him You sent forth your son So that we might be reconciled You sent forth your only son 
to die for undeserving men when the fullness of time had come. When the fullness of time had come. When the fullness of time had come. You sent forth your son Thank you for sending forth your son Romans chapter 1 of course uh, a mountain peak in the scriptures of our understanding of what's ultimately wrong with us, which is really a worship disorder. It's not that we don't know how to worship. I went off to Moody Bible Institute to study music, to learn how to be a worshiper, only to study the scriptures and found out I'm instinctively a worshiper. I've been worshiping things from the moment I was born. Things dazzled me and caught my attention and my imagination, captured my heart and my affections. I was a worshiper from day one. I just worshiped all the wrong stuff. And like every other human, I failed to give God thanks and instead enjoyed and worshipped all the things he made instead of the creator himself. And It's profound. All the ugliness that's mentioned in Romans chapter 1 begins and, and the, the head of the river is the, that we're truth suppressors. We deny the existence of God and we failed to thank him and praise him. And all the other ugly sin lists that come out of Romans 1 all stem from that failure to acknowledge God's existence and to give him thanks for who he is and what he's made. And, and so this is a, kind of a journey through the, the, the wrath of God that's revealed from heaven, not just in the future, but a present wrath for all sinners. And then at the very end, it takes a turn after saying that they failed to give him thanks. It takes a turn at the very end and says, but God's done a number on our hearts, and now you and I, by his grace, we love to give him thanks. It's, you've gathered tonight to give him thanks. We loved gathering this morning to sing and to give him thanks. And It's one of the strongest evidences that you belong to God is your desire to be grateful. So a journey through Romans chapter 1. Oh, one more thing. In the, especially in the light. Sorry. I almost gave someone a heart attack. Um, in the light of R.C. Sproul's recently being taken to heaven. This song is a result of going to Shepherd's Conference one year. One of the last years he was able to be there live and in person. His health was beginning to fail. And he preached from Romans 1. And, and the phrase that struck me in his sermon, the exposition, was that, that that obligation we have to give thanks to him is what he called the sacred duty of praise. And I just wrote that down. And uh, that, that kind of became the seedbed for this. Is really, I have R.C.'s exposition of Romans 1 to thank for this. against ungodly men who in their unrighteousness suppress the truth the knowledge of God that's within for God made it plain to them for since the creation God's infinite power and his holy nature have been on display invisible 
attributes clearly are seen So the men, they have nothing to say Excuses, they all fall away Even though they knew God They did not honor Him as God Even though they knew God They did not give Him their thanks But denying God's glory, suppressing His truth his authority casting away They abandoned their sacred duty And they refused to give him their praise So men became futile in their every thought And shadowy darkness crept over their minds Claiming to be wise, they all became fools, leaving God's glory behind. For images made like mankind. So God gave them up to uncleanness and lust, in their bodies to know sin's corruption. Because they abandoned God's truth for a lie They worshipped and served the creation Not the God who deserves adoration Even though they knew God They did not honor Him as God Even though they knew God They did not give Him their but denying God's glory, suppressing His truth, His authority casting away. They abandoned their sacred duty when they refused to give Him their praise. Yet this is a portrait of me and of you. Without Christ we all were sin slaves. But God in His mercy has broken those chains And He's freed us from death and the grave For Jesus is mighty to save And now by grace we know God And we want to honor Him as God Now by grace we know God to give Him our thanks We're displaying God's glory Proclaiming His truth In the authority of Jesus' name We're reflecting His righteousness Spreading His fame Magnifying the majesty of Jesus' name We're fulfilling our sacred duty our sacred duty no longer refusing our duty we give him our praise amen
Well, this next song is the song I, I wrote this week for Beth and for Lance and the kids. It's called For Me to Live is Christ, and it, go, it moves through a number of passages. The chorus is taken from Philippians chapter 1, where Paul says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And uh, the verse, verse 1 is taken from 2 Timothy 4, where, where Paul, aware that his life is ending, he just says, um, he says, I know that the time of my departure is drawing near, and, I, and my life is being poured out like a drink offering. Verse 2 is taken from a couple of verses in Psalm 23, so it, it sort of moves all over the scriptures. Um, all of it is, is uh, my attempt to give Beth a voice um, to, to sing with the apostles, to sing with King David, the shepherd king, to sing with them of faith in the valley of the shadow of death. And um, so it, it's all scripture with the exception of the bridge where I, I just, I just um, it's the only personal part of the song that is outside of the scriptures, just something I've heard Beth say about, uh, about um, that the hardest thing about it is, is the thought of you, you children and grandchildren. And, but then when she compares that to heaven's joys, it, it, it balances it out. So, so, um, so for me to live is Christ and uh, with love to the whole Quinn family. And, and just one musical note that uh, only music nerds would care about. When uh, Lance and Beth came to Little Rock, I wrote a song for them called Our Heart's Desire. And uh, it has an interesting relationship between the key of C in the, um, in the verses. And then keeping this common tone, the chorus went to the key of E flat. And so I've kept, the, the, the melody is completely different, but I've kept that same relationship between these two, the verse and the chorus. It's just kind of a way of tipping my hat to the heritage and the, the, the years of friendship. So for you musical nerds. As my life's being poured out as an offering, my departure time draws near. I will fight the good fight. I will finish my course. I will keep the faith. For I know there's a crown up for me which the Lord the righteous judge will award me that day with the saints from each age who love the thought of his return for me to live is Christ for me to die is gain While it's better to depart Yet for your sakes I would remain So my heart is torn in two I don't know what I should do for I want to be with Christ And yet I long 
As I walk through death's valley of shadows, I know you're my shepherd still. There's no evil to fear, for I know you are near. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. While your goodness and your loving kindness They've pursued me all my days And when this life is past And when I've breathed my last I'll be forever home with you For me to live is Christ for me to die is gain, while it is better to depart, yet for your sakes I would remain. So my heart is torn in two, I don't to be with Christ and yet I long to stay with you I'm so glad I'm not the one to choose and though I cry to think that in the coming years I'll miss the milestones lives but then I smile to think that's what's reserved for me can never fade or be defiled for me to live is Christ for me to die is gain while it is better to depart Yet for your sake I would remain So my heart is torn in two I don't know what I should do For I want to be Yet I long to stay with you I'm so glad I'm not the one to
Lord, help Beth to make that our song. To cling to stout promises from apostles and kings of Israel. What was true for them is true for her, true for us. So help all of us to believe it. Amen. Second Timothy chapter four, I wrote this for <clears throat> a close friend's ordination into gospel ministries, the pastor of Grace Church in Anchorage, Alaska. But a funny thing was happening to me while I was writing this song, the charge to preach the word in season and out of season. While I was writing it secretly in my heart, I was saying, I don't, I'm no longer content just to write songs for others who want to preach. This was kind of this transition in my life. Lord, I want to preach your word. And so never spoke of it when I wrote it, but uh, so the song just represents uh, something amazing in a, in a transition from a musician who cared about scripture, who God kindly gave the opportunity to be mentored by men like Lance Quinn and Dr. George Zemeck, a chance to, to study Hebrew and Greek and in personal tutelage, learn to what it looks like to try to faithfully exposit God's word. So, so the, wrong, the song was written for Jeff Krotz, but the truth is it documents a, an unexpected inward journey in my own heart. I, I thought I was going to be a choir director forever and was perfectly content, but hanging around all these expositors went, wait a minute, how come I get to just lead the songs and you get to say the good stuff? <laughs> so, 2 Timothy chapter 4. solemnly charge you in the presence of God and in the presence of Christ Jesus who is to judge the living and the dead I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and in the presence of Christ Jesus and by his appearing and his kingdom preach the word in season Preach the word out of season. Preach the word. Reprove, rebuke, exhorting men. Preach the word in season. Preach the word out of season. Preach the word with great patience and instruction. Preach with patience. Preach with patience and instruction. For the time will come 
When men will not endure sound doctrine But wanting messages that tickle their ears They will seek out teachers According to their desires For the time will come when men will not endure sound doctrine But wanting messages that tickle their ears They will turn away from the truth And they'll turn to me So preach the word in season Preach the word out of season Preach the word Reprove, rebuke, exhorting men Preach the word in season Preach the word out of season Preach the word with great patience and instruction Preach with patience Preach with patience and instruction Cling to the standard of sound words And guard the treasure entrusted to you And these entrust then to other faithful men Who'll be able to teach other men the truth So preach the word in season Preach the word out of season Preach the word Exhorting men Preach the word in season Preach the word out of season Preach the word with great patience and instruction Preach with patience Preach with patience and instruction I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and in the presence of Christ Jesus who will judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom preach, preach the final song is a benediction taken from the book of Revelation. If you're not yet on the backside of the program there, Revelation chapter 11, Paul, this glorious doctrine he's taught and he can, you can just tell he can't contain himself any longer and it's not the end, he's not done yet. He's got, he's going to go all the way to chapter 16, but at this point, the praise that's welling out, out in his heart just explodes at the wonder of God's great wisdom. So it's a final song together, this beautiful benediction which occurs not quite at the end uh, of the book of Romans.
depths of the riches of both the wisdom and knowledge of God. Oh, the depths of the riches of both the wisdom and knowledge of our God. How unsearchable are His judgments And how unfathomable His ways Oh, the depths of the riches of Both the wisdom and knowledge of our God Who has known There's unmistakable uh, ministry when it flows out of a heart that's uh, fixed on the Word and uh, loves God with all of his heart. And we've been the recipients of 
a man's overflowed life. Pray to God that we would be people who would be men and women, boys and girls, that would pursue God in such a way that we minister to each other out of the overflow of what God is doing by his grace in our hearts. Thank you, Todd. If you want more, yes, there's more. If you, if you, if you want more, you, there's a website, and we can see if we can't put that on our, our, uh, our church website. You can go to gracemusic.us forward slash Todd Murray. Gracemusic.us forward slash Todd Murray. And I pulled it up. It's wonderful. And there are four CDs that you can download there. Uh, Todd has also written two books. Oh, by the way, three of those CDs are uh, a variety of music. One of those CDs is specifically about uh, John Newton and his concert that he did a year ago, Todd did a year ago, about the life of John Newton and all of the, the history and all of the overflow of that man's uh, heart coming out in hymnology. Wonderful. So there's CDs there. Those are free, by the way. You can download those for, for those for free uh, at your leisure out of gracemusic.us forward slash Todd Murray. Also, he's written a couple of books. One of those is indeed on the life of John Murray. And then uh, one he has collaborated on with uh, uh, one of the uh, professors, uh, or the, dean, the academic dean at the Expositor Cemetery, Seminary Cemetery. <laughs> When you're going through it, I can tell you, and I can attest to, it feels a little bit like that, <laughs> the seminary, and uh, you, would, you can see that there on that website as well. This has been a wonderful day. We have basked in the Word. We have touched each other's lives. We've been ministered to by those who would set an example to us and for us. We have prayed for one another. And now we go. And now we go. And so I would like to pray for all of us that as Todd and Tandy go to Florida to resume ministry at Grace Emmanuel Bible Church in Jupiter, as the people there are blessed by their lives, we would be people who would bless each other's lives and this week pursue God with all of your heart. We pray together and commit to him this week. Oh, Heavenly Father, we quiet our hearts before you this evening as, as we dismiss and as we move to our homes and to our families. Father, I commit these people, these dear people to you. Father, that we would be men and women who would indeed sing these songs of adulation and praise in the quietness of our hearts, in the kitchen, in the garage, in the car, at work, wherever we are, that these things would be flooding our minds. We'd be marinating on the truth. Father, I pray that you would be seen in the lives of these dear ones, that we would be reflections of the glory of Christ. Father, tonight we pray for Todd and Tandy. 
we have been the recipients of ministry today. And so we would turn around and give them to you, Heavenly Father. We would commit them to you, Heavenly Father, for your safekeeping as they fly back home, for your wonderful grace in their lives to minister to people. Oh, Heavenly Father, may they be rewarded in heaven for what they've done here. And may they know your joy and your pleasure. Father, thank you in all of this. Thank you for Christ. In Jesus' name.